0: Thanks, Hannah and team. Appreciate you. We finally got the piano back up here on stage. That's good. Excited. Hey, how many of you have been to your high school reunion? A couple of you. All right. When you went to your high school reunion, anybody recognize you? Yeah? I went back to my high school reunion, and no one recognized me. I'm dead serious. I walked up. Even the girl that was checking us in went out a couple of times, and uh, she's like, hey, who are you? And I'm like, hey, I'm Chris. And she goes, Chris who? And I told her, and she's like, would not have guessed that. I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I don't know what it is. But so, um, you know, things change, right? And so when you're in high school, you are an athlete, you are a cheerleader, you are a band person, you're an art person, so all those things. And people begin to know you by what you do. And then you get 10 years out, and you look back, and you think, hey, how much you have changed and how much life has changed. And we still, though, we gather together and we're talking. And the very first thing we ask each other is, what do you do? Right? We define ourselves so much by that. And so this morning I want us to think about it, especially as men. This is something that we really struggle with, is we define ourselves by what we do. When a few guys get together, the very first question we ask is, what do you do? How long you have been doing it? And we define ourselves so much By what we do. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and struggle with this question and ask this question How do you define yourselves? Over the last few weeks, we've been dealing with identity theft and how our identities are stolen. And so this morning, we're going to dig into the lie that you are what you do. You define yourself by what you do. Can you imagine if I went around everywhere and people just said, Hey, who are you? I would just say, Hey, I'm Pastor Chris. I mean, that's sometimes people think that's all I do, that's what I am. Okay, it's easy to do that, it's 24 7. But I'm more than that. Number 1, I'm a follower of Jesus. Number 2, I'm husband to Becky. Number 3, I'm father to Lauren and Landon. I'm also a friend. I'm also a child to my parents. There's so many other things that we are, and so it's but it's so easy for us to get wrapped in, up into identifying ourselves by what we do and what we accomplish. So this morning if you have your bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes Chapter 2. And so Solomon is someone who was considered the wisest man in the world. And so Ecclesiastes is some of his wise sayings and some of the things that he was thinking about. And Ecclesiastes really does dig into life and specifics of life. And so here is Solomon, the wisest man in the world at that time, also considered the richest man in the world. And many say he's still considered the richest man in the world whenever you do all the calculations. He had everything you could possibly have at your disposal. And so here he is in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He says this, my heart took delight in all my work. In other words, as he was working, he looked around and hey, it brought satisfaction. So if you've ever done some work, you've accomplished something, you've built something, you've had something that you've done and you look at it and you're like, hey, that delights my heart because it feels good to accomplish good work. Is there like sheen off my head? Is that where I turn off lights? Okay. I'll turtle wax better next time. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was a reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was what? Meaningless. In other words, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm looking back over all of that stuff that I did was meaningless, literally like a mist. I was chasing after the wind. You got some of chase bubbles? you ever done that? You chase bubbles. It's kind of fun in the moment, isn't it? you got somebody, they're blowing bubbles, and it's this little kid activity, and you're chasing after them, and you're popping them. But there's some that you can't catch up to, and then there's those that you get them. And once you pop them, it's done. The fun only lasts for a little bit. And this is kind of the image here that Solomon has for us, is those things that we're doing, that we pursue, that, that identify us, and that we do to identify and to give us what feels good is like chasing after bubbles. You're literally chasing after them as soon as they pop they're done, you've got to move on to the next one. There's something about this feeling that we pursue in our work that people look at us and go, oh, you are, and you identify according to that. You Have you ever identified yourself in that way? Our wrong identity comes from what we've accomplished. When you're back at the high school reunion, you're thinking, hey, I accomplished this, I was all district this, or I was All region this. And so people look at you and they identify you by that. But then we begin the discussions of what have you accomplished for me lately? What have you done? I have an identity because of what I've accomplished. Whether you're a straight A student or whether you're the tallest person in school. Whatever it is, your coolness factor. You identify yourself by what you've achieved and what you think that you've accomplished. Your identity also can wrongly come from what we have. We have this wonderful 70-inch TV that we love that we can watch the Cowboys lose by. In the Astros Win World Series, you have that house that you've been working hard for and you finally have achieved that. Or you have the, the car that you want that you can... Have the key fob and everything lights up and it backs up for you and you kind of gets in and there's a valet whatever that is that you're pursuing that you get to that place and you're like I have this so now for I've reached this place but it's like chasing bubbles isn't it it's that moment that hey you get the seventy inch TV and you're like wow that's there and then all of a sudden it's like but it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't bring the meaning. There's that one fleeting moment of, hey, I've got this, I have this, but then it's fleeting. And this is, again, what Solomon is talking about, that we pursue after these things. We try to find our identity in these things. We bring people over and like, hey, wow, look at this 70-inch TV. Look at this amazing house. And those things aren't in and of themselves, aren't bad. But if we're trying to find our identity in them, then that's a fleeting feeling that will never satisfy. That's why you continue You have to pursue more. You have to continue to, to work harder to get more things because you're pursuing this feeling of... What are people looking at me and how they're identifying me and that, hey, I match up to the image that I'm working hard at because I have to have this so that people can do this. And so you have to work harder to get the achievements, to get promotions, to climb the ladder so people can go, wow, look at that person. Look what they've gotten to and where they've achieved in their life and the, the amount of hard work that it takes to get this place and all the while that you're achieving this and work all the while that you're gaining these things that everyone else is applauding you for, you're losing the things that matter most. And that's what Solomon is talking about here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He's saying, listen, I worked hard all of my life, but here I am at the end and I look at all that I've achieved, all that I've accomplished, all that I've gained, but it's like chasing after bubbles, it's like chasing after the wind. You will never achieve enough To bring satisfaction to you because people are going to applaud different things for different reasons and it will continually change. For us, how do we identify ourselves? We worry so much about what people think about us. You know, early on in ministry, one of the things that I worried about was what you people think about the message. Even though the Scripture says that I should not worry about what you think about the message because I'm not here to please you and to receive your applause. I'm only here to be preaching the Word and what God's asked me to preach that week. But guess what? It's real easy to stand in the back and have people come by and say, Wow, that was the message. You were talking right to me. That was life-changing. That's the best thing because it's good to be patted on the back. Guess what? There's weeks that you don't hit a home run or a grand slam. What do you think? And you walk out and you're waiting for people and they're like, hey, see you next week. What do you think that means? Wasn't a grand slam. It wasn't. You didn't meet my standard. All of us have those places where we are pursuing affirmation. We're pursuing what people will pat us on the back in approval. And so listen, those things are always changing. If you find your identity and what you've accomplished, if you define your identity and what you have, if you define your identity in the attaboys or the pats on the back, that's always changing and always fleeting. It's like chasing after those bubbles. You may get there for a moment, but as soon as you pop it, it's like, oh, okay, now i got to go on to the next one. And at some point, the game gets exhausting, doesn't it? That the game gets exhausting and we look back and we go, hey, listen, this chasing after bubbles is for younger people when in reality it's for no one we've just got tired of playing the game and chasing after him how long are we going to play the game and chase after those things when we feel good so many times we believe that that's what our identity comes from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are god's workmanship literally his poem his one-of-a-kind unique poem and i know i've used this verse before and in the past and talked about it, but it is you are unique, one of a kind. There is no other poem. There is no other artwork that's ever been done like you. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works through your relationship with Him. He's created you a unique poem for specific works that you and only you can do. And look at that last part. That was prepared in advance just for you. So in other words, God didn't make a mistake. God didn't mess up. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't the lucky stars. It was that whenever He created you, He had exact work for you, a purpose for you, a design for you, exactly you. And He created you as His workmanship and He prepared in advance exactly what you're to be doing. So in 2017 and in 2018, here at Second Baptist Church, here in LaGrange, Texas, here in Fayette County, here around the world, He has a specific design for you as His artwork to be a part of His plan. And that instead of chasing after the bubbles that bring a false sense of identity, He's saying, I want you to find that exact place of where I need you so that you can be my workmanship and do the things that I've created in advance for you to do. But that that's where you will find your fulfillment because you're created in Him. The old is gone. The new is here. And then in the newness... You find satisfaction in pursuing and loving Jesus. And in pursuing and loving Jesus, He's going to provide opportunities and they're going to bring satisfaction to you in ways that you could never understand before in the old creation. Because you're constantly pursuing those things. And now those things even more so don't bring satisfaction. Even though there may be times that they're tantalizing to the eye, those bubbles, they glimmer, right? Right? And they look appealing. And then as soon as you pop them, they're not there anymore. The same is true. Even as a new creation, you look back and you go, that game looks like fun. But God says, listen, I have something even more for you. You are a new creation. A beautiful, one-of-a-kind poem. What we do is a result of who we are. How God has made you. He didn't make mistakes. We're human beings, not human doings. Now listen, this is something at our house that we talk about quite a bit. We, both Becky and I, are list makers and type A achievement driven people. And So there are times that we look at each other and go, I don't even know who you are because I haven't seen you because we are moving and going and doing and grooving because we are struggle with this thing of finding our identity and what we accomplish and what we do. And so we constantly have to pull back and have to check. Sometimes it's our kids saying, hey, can we just stop for a moment? Is a lot of the suing and doing. And listen, it brings gratification. One of the hard things about being a pastor is a lot of the things that we do in ministry, we would already do anyway. But now this is because of our job. We're even freed up to do even more things. And so we're pursuing and doing. And I know the same is true for you, that you're going to and fro. And if you have kids, double it. If you have two kids, six times it, right? It doesn't just double. It just goes. It just kind of gets even bigger and more. And you're moving and going. So that's why you have a minivan or an SUV, because you're eating. You've got a mobile McDonald's or mobile Whataburger in your car. In your car, when you open it up, it smells like Whataburger or McDonald's or Pizza Hut or whatever, Taco Bell. You open it up. Whoo, what is that? That's our mobile dining table because we're moving and going. Am I right? Okay. Making sure it's just not me. And so there are those times that we just have to be intentional and say, let's, let's just stop for a moment. What is the most important thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a goal setter at the beginning of 2018. I'll have a list of goals. I'll have some things that I want to accomplish and do and, and all that. And I know many of you are that way. And so one of the things that I constantly have to set aside is, hey, I have to make a goal, knowing myself, is I have to make a goal of, of a monthly date with Becky and a consistent date with my daughter and my son. And what that means is that I intentionally have to pull away. I have to put it on my calendar, sadly enough, because I know if I don't, then it's something else is going to push it out. Okay, But I have to make priorities of what is important to me to set those things aside so that I can spend. And unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like I want, but we're in the process of continually moving. Why? Because I know that if I don't spend time with my wife, there may be a day where she doesn't want to be my wife. Right? She may not know me. That's one of my greatest fears is that when my kids leave, i so Becky and I will look at each other and go, I don't, we don't know each other. And I see it time and time again. I want my kids to know me. I want my kids to understand who I am. And then I'm a pretty good, cool guy. They may not think so, but I'm pretty cool. Okay? And so I want to get to know them, but also I think they're pretty cool. And I want to spend some time with them and get to know them. Because again, I understand time is fleeting. And how quickly, though, we get caught up in pursuing other things that identify us and forget about the things that mean the most to us and that's those around us. We're human beings more than we're human doings. And instead of letting others give us a sense of identity, begin to find your identity in Christ. The first thing I want you to gr- grasp is this, is let God define your do's and your don'ts. Let God define your do's and your don'ts. Matthew 11, 29 and 30, take my yoke upon you. Now, so many of you have think about this yoke. It's this thing that you put over a cow or an ox and it's what they have and they move forward. That's part of it. But even more than that, in Jesus' day, a yoke was something that was attached to a rabbi's teaching. So whenever a rabbi would say, hey, here's my yoke, he was saying, hey, here's my teaching. Here's the things that you, would, you want to know about me. And so here Jesus is saying, as Rabbi Jesus, here's my yoke, here's my teaching. Learn from me. Learn from me from my teaching, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find What? Rest. Not a to-do list. Not a task. Not more rituals. Not more things you will find. Rest. How many of you need rest? Most of you. Yes. Okay. It's okay to raise your hands because everybody around you is raising your hand. You need rest. So today you have a prescription from Dr. Chris. You can go out and you can take a nap. All right. Eat a good meal and then take a nap. Got it. Y'all good with that? Because listen, here's what I've learned. The Cowboys are going to win or lose without my coaching from the TV set. Now, if I was on the sidelines, it would be a different deal. They would win. All the time. LaGrange as well. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. I love you guys. Take a nap. Rest. So much of the world does not depend upon you. The things that depend upon you the most are your loved one. Again, Jesus is around you slow down and enjoy them. Listen again, Jesus tells us, here's what here's the what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's number 1. The second thing, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's it. It doesn't say, "Hey, you got to do this or you got to do that or you got to do that." Listen, my yoke, my teaching is restful. Love me. Invest in this relationship with me. And then as much as you love yourself, show how much you love me by caring for your neighbor. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's not a list of things to do. What do you need to take away from your to-do list and add to your to-don't list? Okay? Okay. What do you got? Everybody, you got a little pen? You got your notes? You're going there? Write down your to-don't list. What do you don't have to do this week? Some of the husbands, you're saying, I don't have to take out the trash or do the dishes, right? We're going to find plastics, plastic plasticware and do that. What do you need to do? Because here's the thing. Who are you performing for? Who are you performing for? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Is it for you? Is it for others? Is it for what other people think about you? Would it be okay for you to give up something? Maybe one of the most healthiest things some of you can do this week is that you go home today, you look at your wife, you look at your kids, you look at whoever you need to look at and say, what do I need to say no to? What am I doing right now that I need to make a phone call, a difficult phone call this week, and say no to? So that I can be not a human doing, but a human being. So that you can find rest that you need. That maybe you need to be home at 5.30 or 6 some nights and spend some time with just yourself. When's the last time you've been able to just enjoy a good book or just relax and be? Because we're always going and doing that. We can't just be. And listen, I understand. I'm talking, I'm pointing out here, but this is pointing back here to slow down and just be and to enjoy those that are the most important beings around you. What do you need to say no to? Listen, I'm a father, a husband, a pastor, and most importantly, I'm a follower of Christ. One of the main things that we need to do as followers of Jesus is to kind of pull back from some things and say, hey, listen, the most important relationship I have is my relationship with Jesus. What am I doing to invest in that? Do I need to pull away from other things so I can invest some time, spend some time with Him, five, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and say, "God, where, where do I need to grow? How do I need to change? What are some things that I need to get rid of in my life? How many of you have ever done something or committed to something, And as soon as you committed it, you already hated it. you had to do it. Amen. Okay, I'm preaching to the choir. Listen to this verse. It is a trap. What is that? What's a trap? You're caught. Okay, have you ever seen those bear claw traps? You get caught in it, and it hurts, doesn't it? And you can continue to walk, but it doesn't feel good. And you're doing it. Some of us have been in that place where we've committed to something because we're just like, who else is going to do it? Well, guess what? If there is no one else, then maybe it doesn't need to get done. Because you're uniquely created for a specific purpose. Quit stealing other people's opportunities. And find what God has for you and be uniquely you And enjoy being. It is a trap for a man or woman to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider the vows and the commitment that you need to take. Slow down and stop. And when you say, hey, I'm going to pray about something, really pray about it. Have you ever done that? Somebody asks you to do something you say, hey, I'm going to pray about it. And you've already made the decision. Yes or no? Maybe you really do need to go and, and part of that prayer is... Taking evaluation of here's my calendar, here's my week, here's my responsibilities, here's who I am. And say, hey, listen, I would love to do this for you, but right now I can't. Or if I can do this, then you have to make a call to someone else and say, hey, listen, it's now time. I need to move on to some other things. Do some of those hard phone calls so that you can have the life that God wants for you. Let's let God define for you not only your do's and your don'ts, but your when and then. James 4.13 Now listen. You who say say, today or tomorrow, will you go to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money? Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're really good at making plans and how quickly those plans change. Listen, enjoy each day. Enjoy the moment. Chase after your children. Chase after your spouse. Chase after your loved ones. Quit chasing after those things. They're going to quickly flee and be away. There's a story about two ladies that were in the presence of Jesus, Mary and Martha. And and Mary. Mary was really good at enjoying the presence of people. So Jesus had come to visit and and they were uh, the sisters to Lazarus. And so Jesus would come by. And they were good friends. And so Mary was there and Jesus was sitting. And they were kind of there talking and sharing stories and going around. And so Mary was enjoying the presence of Jesus. And Martha was the doer. Martha was the one that she had to have everything perfectly. She was the hostess with the mostess. You know, those any of you all those people where you've got to have everything perfect and every bow tied and everything you've got to have? You clean the house three times for somebody to come over and then you clean the house before you pay someone to clean the house. Yeah, okay, I know, I know, I know. And so you got that so that everything is exactly perfect. Well, that's Martha. And so she's got the house perfectly clean. And she, you know Mary's probably helped a little bit, but probably not enough. And so Mary's there enjoying, enjoying company with Jesus. And Martha's in the kitchen. She's working and everything's going and stuff is starting to burn and everything's starting to happen. And she runs out of the kitchen and she says, Jesus, would you tell Mary to get off her hiney and get in here in the kitchen and help me? Because we've got food to serve to you because we want to enjoy you. And enjoy your company. And Jesus is like, well, why don't you turn the oven off and come in here with Mary. Because Mary's already doing what you're saying you want to do. And she's just enjoying me. And it'll happen. It'll happen. So for us, we have a tendency to be on one end or the other. And I'll be honest, there's many times that I'm more Martha than Mary. It's easier for me to move from task to task, from thing to thing, and to just stop and just enjoy the moment and enjoy the presence. I know many of you are in the same boat. You want everything to be perfect. Listen, it's not going to be perfect. Just enjoy those that are with you that are imperfect and enjoy that time together. Thanksgiving's coming. Here's the challenge for some of you. Maybe put stuff out of place at Thanksgiving intentionally. Just to rest. And to say, I want to enjoy my family coming over and everybody pitch in. You don't have to do all the work. Maybe pay Hanks Express or Chicken Express or whoever express you need to bring your food. Don't don't boo. I don't know who they are and what their food tastes like. So you just and do it. Just relax. And maybe you just don't have to have that big old feast that you can just rest, and maybe you can do peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and just do whatever you need to do, have tamales, whatever it is, but relax and rest. Quit performing for those that love you the most. Quit performing for those that love you the most. They don't really care. They just want to be there. They're going to make the effort to be there. Enjoy them. What's your greatest win then? you ever thought about when I have enough money, I'm going to give this. When I have enough money, I'm going to be able to do this. When I have enough time, I'm going to serve more. When I have enough time, I'm going to... Do this. When I have that job, then I'll be, have more freedom to do whatever. You're when then. Listen, do it now because when may never happen. And if when never happens, then then is going to never happen. Now you're in now. Enjoy now and go ahead and do what God's asking you to do. You're a n- unique creation, a unique poem, and opportunities that are already here and present. Quit making excuses for the future. Enjoy now. Psalm 118. This is... Is the day? Is it yesterday? This is the day. What's today? Now, oh, some of you don't even know what day it is. All right, today is Sunday. This is Sunday. The Lord has made today. Let us rejoice. That doesn't sound very rejoiceful, some of you. Rejoice. You know why you're not rejoicing? Because you've already, as I'm preaching, you're writing your list of things that you've got to do, and you've got to get at H E B or Walmart. Am I right? All the husbands are punching their wives because it's a honey-do list. You've got to fix the toilet and all that, okay? Enjoy today, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do something, do it well. But maybe you need to pull back from some of the things that you're doing. Quit pursuing and chasing after the wind and the mist and the bubbles and pursue Jesus. And say no to some things so that you can find rest. My yoke is easy. Listen, this past week, my father-in-law passed away. He didn't say anything about he wished he had more things to do. Or that he'd made more money. Or he'd accomplished this. Or he had a bigger house. Whatever. The one thing that he said is, I wish I had spent more time with you. All of us. If we can take that moment and just put yourself at the end of life and looking back and saying, what do I want? What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want people? What do I want to have no regrets over? Invest in what matters most. Don't let the immediacy, the tyranny of the urgent steal from you what is most important, and that is those that God has placed in your life, whether that's your wife, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, whoever it is. Invest in them because time is fleeting, and that car, that house, the TVs, all those things matter not one iota. Invest in what matters most. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we do thank You that You give us the opportunity to take a breath today. May we rejoice in today. May we rejoice in the opportunity to gather together as fellow followers of Jesus or those that are pursuing and understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Father, may we enjoy this moment that as we go to lunch and we sit with friends and family, may we just be in that moment and enjoy that and, and not think about Monday because Monday's coming. But in Monday, let's get into Monday. But today is Sunday and let's enjoy what you've given us today because we don't even know what tomorrow holds. But we've got loved ones that are right in front of us and you already hold them there before us. May we enjoy those moments. Father, I pray that each one of us in this room, we have all of us have different goals and ideas of what success and what making it means. And, and not, none of those things are bad. But Father, I pray that we would pursue the loved ones in our life more than we pursue chasing after those things. That the end of life will mean nothing. And Maybe just ask the question, God, are we performing for You? Are we seeking Your approval and Your applause as a good, good Father? Are we seeking the applause and the approval of others around us? With an applause that's always changing. With a target that's always changing. But Father, you, you as a good Father, just want our presence. And just to sit and to sup and to dine and to laugh and to cry and to talk with you. That's it. Father, it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.